Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, October 12, 2012, and today we're reading from the big book. We're in Chapter 4, entitled We Agnostics, on page 44. Today's readers are Kim, Monica, Sharon, Sarah, and Paula. The share code for yesterday's meeting, that is Thursday, October 11th, 3149. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Miriam to read the 12 Steps. Uh, Thank you, Leah. Hello, everybody. This is Miriam speaking from Israel. The 12 Steps. We admitted we were powerless also that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that the power greater than ourselves would restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood it. Four, made a searching and careless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our own. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask Him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons with a harm and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when you are wrong. I'm sorry about the background noise. Put through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand it. Praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Well, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our steps. Thank you very much. Thank you. I will now call on Janice to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, 
Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I'll pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're in Chapter 4 this morning, We Agnostics. You'll find that on page 44. And I'm going to ask Kim, please, to begin reading. Thank you, Leah. Chapter 4, We Agnostics. In the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. We hope we can make clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. If when you want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably alcoholic. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. And how beautiful this chapter opens up. You know, the name of the chapter, We Agnostics. You know, I didn't read this chapter for years because I grew up in religious schooling. Why do I need to read about that? I'm, I'm not agnostic. But someone pointed out to me that agnostic in Latin is two words. Gnostic is knowledge and ag is without. So all agnostic means is those without knowledge. So what does it say? We hope you have learned something of alcoholism. So I had to admit I didn't know. 
And we've spent, you know, 50-something pages now with the doctor's opinion describing the difference between a non-alcoholic and an alcoholic. And at this point, I am convinced, I have concluded that I am powerless over alcohol. And why am I powerless? Because when I honestly want to, I find I cannot quit entirely, which is the obsession of the mind. And if I do pick up, if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, which is the allergy of the body, then you're alcoholic. So now that I've come to that conclusion that I am powerless over alcohol, I'm powerless over food, and my life is unmanageable, I'm open to a solution. If I am suffering, and I was suffering, I have to be open to that spiritual experience. So how do we find that spiritual experience? And this is what this chapter is going to tell us. It's going to tell us how to find that power now that I know I'm powerless. What a beautiful way to open up the chapter. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This, this is, is Janice. Janice. Janice and then Paula, please. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. So, yes, as, as Kim just said, you know, in the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. And what is it that we learned? We learned that if we are indeed alcoholic, then we have this twofold disease. We suffer from an allergy of the body. This physiological craving that develops in me after I've eaten that first bite. It is never satiated. It only intensifies when I do it. And it makes me crave more and more and more. But that's not my whole problem. The other problem, the the more difficult problem, is of course the obsession of my mind. So I learned something of alcoholism about that, that I have this mental obsession. And it ensures that I'll keep picking up again and again and again. So I had to ask myself two questions. If when I want to quit entirely, can I? Can I? And if when I start, do I have any control over the amount I take? You know, it poses these two questions to me. If when you honestly want to, and let me tell you, I honestly wanted to. I honestly wanted to. But self-knowledge didn't do it for me. You know, there was no human power. No human power that could relieve my compulsive overeating. So I looked at this first paragraph, and I said, yes, I may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Janice. And Paula, please. Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsible Reader. Now, this is one of the chapters that I decided that um, I didn't need because um, it didn't really apply to me. And then I did read it. I did read it. And that first word, in the preceding, that means to go before chapters you have learned and there you go had I learned something of alcoholism you know it, it says in the next line we hope we have made clear I mean they're very you know and what does clear mean easily seen not obscure see that's what it was I, I couldn't see it totally couldn't see the whole picture could this be could, yes 
not obscure, because then it even clarifies more. With the questions it asks, they're very personal. If when you honestly want to, very personal questions, you find you cannot quit entirely. Only you can do this. I can't do it for you. And then I just want to scoot over to that last last line where it says, if that be the case, if that be the case, again, a question for you, an answer only you can supply. But that word, you may be suffering, and indeed, you may be suffering from nilness, which only uh, a spiritual experience will conquer. I read the whole paragraph, but look at the paragraph. Boy, what an opening, huh? Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Nicole. Please go ahead, Nicole. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everyone. This is Nicole, a gratefully, gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. I love this first paragraph, and I love this whole chapter because just like how um, Paula and everyone else was just sharing, I didn't think I needed this chapter, but I read this chapter because I was curious how they were going to handle um, the situation with someone that is agnostic. And, you know, what what you see from this opening paragraph and from the whole chapter is how and what is the right way, how do you talk to someone that is different in their thinking from you are? If you are not an agnostic and you are a believer in God, how do you reach that agnostic? How do you make them feel comfortable enough to even contemplate the idea of reaching out to God? And so this paragraph is pointed, but yet very, very gentle. Um, It uses words like if, if you are, if that be the case, Maybe you're suffering. And um, for me, uh, through this program, it has given me such a different way of even um, talking to people as the, as the program has humbled me more than anything else in life. I recognize how there is a we in all of it. This chapter is not entitled, You Agnostics or You People Who Don't Believe in God. It's we agnostics. It's very inviting. It shows the humanity of it that we can all understand why you might be an agnostic. And I just just simply love the flavor of this chapter. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nicole. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Kathy in Boston. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you, Leah. And thank you, Vision, for you. Um, this paragraph really saved me when I first came into the 12-step rooms um, because until I read it, um, I almost was not willing to keep coming to meetings um, because I heard so many people talk about how God was doing for them what they couldn't do for themselves, and I was a confirmed agnostic really, from as far back as I can remember. Um, So this first paragraph, um, not only did it tell me I I had the problem, um, 
but it told me the only way I could solve the problem was with a spiritual experience. And uh, that really scared me at first because I didn't think there was any way that I could transcend my beliefs of 40-some-odd years. Um, and uh, somebody mentioned the gentleness of this paragraph. I think that's indeed what enabled me to keep coming back. Um, and as we read more in this chapter, um, it, it just reminds me how how soft and kind the words in this book are and how they reached me after so many years of shutting the door on it. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Anyone else? My name is Leigh. I'm sorry, go ahead. This is Tasha. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I just wanted to um, share that what I noticed in this paragraph is that, you know, only a spiritual solution can help us. It doesn't say only um, a combination of an emotional experience, um, you know, only abstinence can save us, only a food plan can save us. You know, obviously we have to get abstinent before we do these steps, but the only thing that's going to keep us in recovery is a conscious contact with God as we understand him. Um, and that's all I wanted to share. Thank you. Thank you, Tasha. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, which of course is speaking to my obsession of the mind, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, which is speaking to the allergy of the body, you are probably alcoholic. I love the simplicity of the big book. You know, uh, the questions, you know, are two, two, you know, two questions. Have you been able to quit compulsively overeating entirely left to your own resources? And if you're a real compulsive overeater, your response to that is going to be no. And the second question is, do you have any control over the amount you eat after you once start eating? those substances. And if you're a real compulsive overeater, again, your response is going to be no. Um, You know, our fellowship made a list of uh, 40 questions, but really what this chapter is teaching is there's two questions. You know, have you been able to quit drinking entirely left to your own resources? A real alcoholic says no. And do you have any control over the amount you drink once you start drinking? And a real alcoholic, again, responds no. So those are the two elements uh, this this chapter reinforces, the allergy and the obsession, the physical and the mental dimensions of the disease of alcoholism. For us, of course, the disease of compulsive overeating, the fact that we cannot uh, predictably stay away from that first bite, and the fact that once we do take that first bite, uh, we have no control over the amount we eat. <laughs> Once we take that first bite, that first bite takes us. You know, so I, in this last statement here, if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So what that is telling me is it's not my allergy. Uh, it's my obsession of the mind that's going to bind me 
to this program of recovery. Because what happens after that first bite is not going to be of any immediate concern, provided, of course, that we stay away from that first bite. But the fact that we are real compulsive overeaters means that we are powerless over the obsession. And accepting that fact uh, is something that needs to happen, of course. The acceptance of the inability to stay away, left to our own resources. Again, if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. <laughs> so what is the illness? What's the illness all about? We, we, we came here thinking it was about food and weight. But look what the solution is. The solution is a spiritual experience. The solution is a spiritual experience. So we have a twofold illness. It manifests itself in the body as well as the mind, but it can only be overcome by a spiritual experience. With that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? I'll take that as a no, and I'll ask Monica to read the next paragraph, please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. To one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But to continue as he is mean as he is means disaster, especially if he is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. We agnostics, we agnostics, and like Kim said, the word agnostic means without knowledge. So to one who feels he is an atheist or is agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But you know what? There's a lot of us out here that had religious faith. We were brought up with religions, but um, we still have a lot of difficulty with this God thing. And thank God, you know, Bill was a true alcoholic, and he knew that as alcoholics, compulsive overeaters, our thinking, our crazy thinking, we would have a lot of trouble with this God thing. So this whole chapter is based on giving us different ideas about God. It's not about um, teaching us about religion. It's a, a lot of questions are going to be asked in here. And it's for us to open our mind to a point where we can make a different decision. You know, we ask, they're going to ask questions, they're going to tell us things. Ultimately, if we do this and listen and open our mind up to these different ideas that they are going to give us in this chapter, ultimately, in working the process, God will prove to us that there is a God. You know, and when that happens to you, you will have a God of your understanding, and no one will be able to improve on that. You know, because otherwise there's two choices, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to faith. So, you know, two choices here. We either stay in our disease to death, or we pick up the toolkit to recovery. You know, how free do you want to be? And I love, like Leah always likes to say, there's no door number three here. There's two choices. And with that, I pass.
Thank you, Monica. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janet. Hi, I'm Linda from Connecticut. I'd like to comment. We're going to go Janice, Christy, and then Linda, please. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Thank you very much. Well, we know to one who feels he is an atheist or an agnostic, you know, the, the big book told us, and Bill W. and Dr. Bob experienced this, that more than half of those who first came in thought they were atheists and agnostic. Half of those first recovered alcoholics. So even though they might have felt they were in this group, atheist or agnostic, and that the experience of a spiritual one seemed impossible to them. You know, who likes to admit complete defeat? You know, every human instinct in us cries out against this. But when I looked at my life, leaving aside the drink problem, the big book says, I was making a heavy going of life. You know, it wasn't just that I had this problem of compulsive overeating. It had permeated every area of my life. And so to continue as I was meant disaster. Especially if I was an alcoholic of this hopeless variety and I was a compulsive overeater of this hopeless and helpless variety. You know, it wasn't an easy alternative to face because I had not yet experienced it. I had not yet experienced it. And I believe sometimes for some of us, and perhaps for me, there was some fear and trepidation about what this even meant to have a spiritual experience because I had not yet experienced it. But I could see in those in whom the problem had been solved, that they had something that I wanted. And I knew left to my own devices, I was going down, 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 and fast, and fast. So those alternatives, you know, I was willing to grab hold and say, help me, help me, help me find this spiritual experience because there were those in whom the problem had been solved. And they were standing there with eyes shining and they had something that I wanted. So to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis might not have been an easy alternative to face, but it was my alternative. And what was my choice going to be? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Christy, please. Good morning, everyone. I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, the only reason I read this chapter is because there wasn't a chapter entitled, you know, we who are never, ever going to believe in anything spiritual, no matter what any of you say. Um, And by the time I was studying this big book, you know, this followed more about alcoholism. I mean, the chapter right before that, I needed to read I needed to read this chapter. And, you know, today I can laugh at that last sentence, to be doomed, to be doomed to an alcoholic death, to be doomed to a compulsive overeating death, or to live on a spiritual basis are not always alternatives to faith. Let me think about that for a minute. Let me think about my choices here. You know, that's, that's where I was. You know, today that seems really silly. Christy, do you want to live on a spiritual basis, or do you want to be doomed to a compulsive overeating death? I don't know. Let me let me give that some thought. Let me mull that over just a little bit. 
Um, and, and that's really where I was. You know, that is where I was. I had written off spiritual experiences, any kind of a God, even of my own understanding. I had written all of that off. And it was my disease that did its job. My disease, my disease taught me that I could not solve my problem. I could not solve my problem. Anything, anyone, any, you know, any, any, whatever could solve my problem. I could not. I could not. And all I needed, I mean, it was nothing short of a miracle that on September 9th of 2001, I called my sponsor, I said, this is the food, you know, based on a food plan that was developed by a nutritionist, this is the food that I'm going to eat, nothing more, nothing less, and I'm going to eat everything on here, and I did, I did, by the end of the day, and the next day, I mean, it was nothing short of a miracle, my sponsor wasn't in my kitchen with me, I was by myself, I was by myself, you know, quote, unquote, by myself that day. Um, I could have done anything I wanted, called my sponsor the next day and completely lied, you know, and I didn't. I did everything I said I was going to do that day. And if that didn't crack the door open in my mind just a teeny bit and say, Christy, you didn't do that. You couldn't do that. For 41 years before that, you couldn't do that. I mean, that, that was all I needed to say, wow, maybe. You know, and certainly other experiences I've had, the fact that I even came into OA, the fact that I even came back after relapse, the fact that I even believed there was a little bit of hope, you know, just a little bit, just a little bit. The fact that I've recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body is nothing short of a miracle. I cannot shut the door. I cannot close my mind off to the fact that there is something, there is something guiding my life. You know, there is something that I, you know, I can grab onto today. And the, you know, my spiritual awakening, my spiritual experience, my belief in a power greater than myself has evolved. You know, I let step three take me. I let step three take me. And all I needed to do was just open up my mind, you know, just a little bit to the idea that I could not solve my problem. That was it for me. And, um, Ask myself this question in the last sentence. You know, what is it you want, Christy? Do you want to be doomed? Do you want to be doomed to certain death? Or, or do you want to live on a spiritual basis? What is it you want to do, Christy? And, uh, you know, I'm so grateful today that I chose to live and choose to live one day at a time on a spiritual basis and have a life that's full and rich in ways I never, ever, ever could have imagined in my limited little brain. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. And now we hear from Linda, please. Hi, everyone. Wow, this is my favorite chapter. Um, I've been in the program almost 30 years. And um, this was the hardest thing for me. The first meeting that I uh, went to, I could see that I fit. But it was so hard for me, as uh, someone just stated, I just wrote off everything spiritual. Not because I was, I don't think I was defiant. I just didn't get it. I tried, I had tried many different things. I didn't get it. But because I, when I came in, I was in a state of terror. 
and I believed what, and we were reading the big book. Uh, boy, were we reading the first 164 pages. It's like a, a boot camp, and it saved my life. Um, because um, I was in a state of terror, I was willing to act as if. That was the best I could do, because really I was an atheist. I didn't want to be, but I really thought, this is a Hallmark card. This is not real. And, but I, I gave it a shot, and because I gave it a shot and did the steps and do the steps and have a great sponsor and all of you, I love this meeting like, holy cow, I can't wait to get here. Um, I have a, a relationship with God that is the bedrock of my life, and um, I am so uh, awed by it. I I remember I happened to overhear someone say to someone, I can't tell you who they were, ask God to show you that God is real. And I thought, there's an idea. And I did it. And sometimes I still do it if I'm really scared. And stuff happens, synchronicity and all that good stuff. So it is a sacred place. And I am so grateful, so very grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Kim, go ahead. Good morning again, everyone. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to faith. You know, on face value, that sounds kind of silly. Like, why would you pick that alcoholic death? You know, and there's a saying I like. It says that we often choose a problem that is familiar rather than a solution that isn't. You know, and if you ever saw, like, a child in an abusive situation taken from his parents, all he wants is his parents. He just wants to go back to his parents. As painful as that abuse is, the big bad world out there is so much scarier. It's so much scarier. I knew how to be a compulsive overeater. As uncomfortable, as scary, as torturous as it was, it was familiar. And I'd rather stay in the familiar than chances. Spiritual life, that was more frightening. You know, and I have a friend that was in an abusive marriage. And I, I knew her years later. I asked her, why did you stay? Why did you stay? She goes, he convinced me that was all I was worth. He convinced me that I had nothing, I had no worth on my own, that the best that I could do was to be in this abusive situation, that the big bad world out there was going to kill me, and that he would keep me safe even though he was torturing me. Wow, did that sound familiar with my disease? My disease told me I wasn't worth anymore. My disease told me I wasn't capable of being anything but this dirty little compulsive overeater who stayed in her room and shut herself off from the world and all I had was my food and my TV. So when I look at it from that way, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or live on a spiritual basis are not always all easy, easy alternatives to face, it all made sense. This disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. It's incredibly powerful. And as long as I, that disease is more powerful than me, and I don't see there's enough power out there that can help me, that I'm going to stay in that alcoholic torture and just let it pull me down. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else? This is Rita. Rita, go ahead. I'm Rita, a compulsive overeater. Um, good morning, everybody. For me, when I came in, I had a lot of religion. I didn't know the difference between spirituality and religion. I just wanted to find a church uh, that would make me thin. 
I didn't care if I jumped over pews, rolled in aisles, I was in the synagogues. I was everywhere trying to find a God that would do it my way. And I just did not understand the difference between religion and spirituality. One time my daughter called home and asked, Mother, what religion are we this week? I thought, you know, I'm really nuts. It took me a long, long time to realize I could have a personal relationship with higher power. I didn't know the difference between spirituality and religion. Thank God, because of this program, I now have a personal um, relationship with a higher power. And for that, I'm very grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Nicole. Nicole, go ahead. Hi again, everybody. This is Nicole, gratefully recovering. I just want to point out one little quick thing that stands out to me. I love the word impossible here. I just love that word. Um, Because God is the God of the impossible. And I remember before I was a believer, I thought for certain that I knew everything. I really did. I was in college. I was a science major. I felt like I really understood the way this world worked. And when God came into my life, the impossible happened for me. And I can remember telling friends of mine what had happened to me and just even the looks on their faces of, that's not possible. How how are you in relationship with God? <clears throat> and now since being in program, prior to the program, I thought, well, it's quite impossible for me to ever not think about food this way. I can't imagine um, having no real problem putting food down. And once again, the God of the impossible has done what is impossible. He has made it possible. So I just love that word impossible and how only God can do the impossible. With that, I pass. Thank you, Nicole. Anyone else? This is Susan Florida. <clears throat> Susan, go ahead. Hi, Lee. Good morning. Good morning, Vision. I was just thinking, you know, I've always said there's two types of people, common sense people and book knowledge people. And I was always of the common sense type. And when I read this chapter and I read about having a God of my understanding, this book tells me that I have to have the book knowledge because I don't like to read. I'm, I'm not very well read except in the big book. I mean, over the years, over the last three decades, anything I've read usually has to do with recovery. And I realized how my thinking has to change if I am going to be recovered. Um, The other day, the other day, um, I shared with my sponsor something that was going on with me, and she said, I get the sense that this is going on and that's going on. And whatever she was saying to me was what I needed to hear because it came right out of the big book. It came right out of the big book about impatience and trusting God again. And I have to be, keep being reminded because I did not have a religious upbringing. So for me to come into here and saying, okay, you had no religion, you had no higher power, you had no knowledge, now you have to have if you want to recover. And that has been my dilemma all through the years of sitting in the rooms. I did not have the knowledge. I didn't have the knowledge. But being that this big book comes to life, and every chapter 
jumps out at me that I am so like the alcoholic. I'm so grateful that I was able to hook up with somebody five months ago and she could tell me the things that I was doing wrong or thinking wrong. And today God does do for me what I can't do for myself. Sometimes it's scary and sometimes it's very peaceful, but I'm so grateful that I am able to connect with the power outside of myself. Thank you. Thank you so much. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. To one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But to continue as he is means disaster. Um, you know, ironically, it's for the alcoholic, it's going to be John Barleycorn more than anything else that... Um, that readies the alcoholic to embrace this spiritual remedy. You know, uh, for me, it was Sarah Lee and Captain Crunch. You know, they, they beat me into a state of, of reasonableness because um, I was haunted and, and uh, tormented and tortured by this disease. Yes, to continue as I was meant disaster because my journey as a compulsive overeater was going to take me to one of two places. Either it was going to take me to suffering and dying because that's exactly where I was headed or it was going to take me to bliss, you know, to continue as I was living, living like a mad woman in this disease, um, you know, such madness, such madness. This disease was deteriorating every facet of my life. So to continue as I was, yes, meant disaster, and to embrace a spiritual journey meant bliss. It meant freedom. It says here to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. I mean, that is humorous. You know, Christy remarked about the humor in that statement, and it is kind of funny. It is kind of funny. It reminds me of this old clip I heard, this radio show with uh, the comedian Jack Benny. And, um, you know, this uh, masked man sticks a gun to Jack Benny's head and says, your money or your life? And there's a long pause as Jack Benny gives this question a serious thought. My money or my life? Let me give that thought. And that's exactly what happened to me. You know, I kept looking for door number three. You know, isn't there something else out there that's going to save me from myself? And the answer is no. The answer was no. You know, this this chapter, We Agnostics, is going to open our minds. It opens our minds. It allows some new ideas to float through these brains of ours because the reality for people like you and me, and we are real compulsive overeaters, is that we can't stay uh, absent in our own willpower. We tried that. And the reason we can't stay abstinent on our own willpower is because the obsession of the mind is stronger than our will. There is only one thing stronger than the obsession of our mind, and that's he who created our mind. So this chapter four, we agnostics, it's not going to try to prove the existence of God. That it's not going to try to do. What it does do is convince us of our need for God. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph?
Okay. Good morning, I will ask Margaret. Margaret, get on in there. Go ahead. Thank you. This is Margaret from South Jersey. And, of course, that is exactly what uh, turned my life around, that last sentence that you said that I heard on the line quite a while ago about A doesn't try and convince me of the existence of God. It convinces me of my need for God. And that just, because I did, excuse me, I did believe in God. I tried to believe in God. I did everything I could, but my mind, you know, it just always was playing gymnastics with uh, a faith in God. But that statement just calmed my mind down. It just calmed my mind down and allowed me to get out of the rink of trying to define and understand God because my little mind was not going to do that. But I did know my need for God. And that brought me such freedom. So I'm so glad that you said that again because it just brought me some so much freedom and allowed me to just move on and keep walking the walk. And little by little, you know, the understanding of God is coming as it will come to all of us. And I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Margaret. Anyone else? Okay, I'm going to ask Sharon to read the next paragraph, please. Good morning. Good morning, Leah, and to everyone else on the call. This is Sharon. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. But it isn't so difficult. About half of our original fellowship were of exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it is going to be that way for you. But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. And this is, uh, I, I have to say, this chapter is my favorite. Though I came into the rooms as a believer, I thought I did not need this chapter because of that. Um, but yet this chapter has given so much to me and has helped me grow spiritually uh, in amazing ways. Here it says that we started off as compulsive overeaters. Uh, uh, It says it isn't so difficult. What is that referring to? It isn't so difficult to face who we are that um, it isn't so difficult to face and to deal with this, to deal with the fact that we have to live this spiritual life. About half of our original fellowship came in as atheists or agnostics. And I have to tell you, I came in as a believer, but I met as well, might as well have been atheists or agnostic. And sometimes I think that those of us who come in as believers have a more difficult time because we think we know it and also we are beat down in a way that uh, the atheists and agnostics are not because what we had, what I had uh, as a believer couldn't get me recovered. I believed and believed and, and it couldn't get me recovered. So I needed more. I needed more. And what this book, what this 12-step program gives me more depth and the depth and width that I needed to get recovered. It gave me the ability to get connected to my higher power. 
That's what this program has done so that I can take advantage of the power that my higher power has for me. It is, it is a terrible thing to have and to recognize a higher power, yet not be able to tap into that power that is available to, to you, to me. And what this book does, what this chapter does, is help us get tapped into that power. And it isn't so difficult if we let go and accept uh, this very simple program of action. And indeed, there is action that we have to take. And our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. No, regardless of where you come in, where you are spiritually, atheist, agnostic, believer, it doesn't matter. Don't be disconcerted because uh, there is a gentle and loving. This, I tell you, I read this chapter and I feel love. This, even just the, this we agnostics, I feel that love coming out at me through the pages, this, the acceptance of who I am and the willingness to work with me right where I am. I don't have to change in order to get this program. I come as I am, and this program works with me from that place to get me to the recovery that I so need and desire. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Of course. Monica. And then Monica. Thank you. This would be Paula. Uh, compulsive overreader, recovered. I'm going to start with that word, but, and it's capitalized, but it isn't so difficult. You know, I look at those words, and I spell hope here. There's the hope. You know, you think you can't make it, and look at what it tells you after that. About half our original fellowship were exactly that type. That's it. You're not alone in those thoughts. You know, that was it. Nobody could think like that. It must be just me. No, wait. Come along. I like that word, wait. Come along with me. The best is yet to be. At first, some of us try to avoid the issue. Oh, yes. You know, sometimes there's the avoidance dance. Put it together, the words. Yeah, that dance. You know, you skip along. You uh, kind of go this way or you go in that direction. You know, take a reverse now. Nope, go forward. And that was it. That dance. We try to avoid the issue. Hoping against hope. (laughs) We were not true alcoholics. And then they put another butt there. Don't you love it? Those butts are so well placed. But after a while, and I don't know what that while is for you. I don't know whether it's long or short. But it says, but after a while, we had to face the fact. There it is. And what is the fact? That you were alcoholic. And that you must find a spiritual basis that foundation of life. And there it is, that spiritual basis, or else. But I love the way it ends with our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. Because, you know, I'll be honest with you, that's the first thing that comes in, this this confusion. No, no. It's simpler what, than what you think, and there it is. See, my thoughts made it so difficult, but God made it so easy. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you. Monica, please. Thank you, Leah. This is Monica again. But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. 
our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. And I looked up the word disconcerted. And, what's, and disconcerted is upset, troubled, sickened, confused. Our experience shows that you need not be troubled. You need not be confused. Our experience, again, this is our, the first 100 recovered alcoholics. So giving us a lot of hope here. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. You know, it doesn't matter what you believe um, when you get here. You're still eligible to have this experience, no matter who we are or what we believe, if we are willing to do certain things. And this is what they're telling us here, is that it's okay to be agnostic or atheist, or for a lot of us who had um, um, been brought up with some type of religion, you know, for a lot of us, that idea or that picture of God was not a very pleasant one. So here in this chapter, we're going to be given questions and, and a chance to look at some different ideas, to come up with something different. And it says, so don't be troubled, don't be shaken, we're going to help you with this. And I'm, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Anyone else? This is Janet. Go ahead, Janice. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope that we were not true alcoholics. You know, even after reading all of the information, even after hearing all the stories, Fred and Jim and the jaywalker and the doctor's opinion, some of us hoping against hope that we were not true alcoholics. You know, what is it in us that fights, fights, fights the idea that we might belong to this class, that we might belong to this class? But you know what it says? But after a while, we had to face the fact we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else, or else. Because if you step into the kitchen and try some controlled eating, if you go back out there, I guarantee, I guarantee that if you are a compulsive overeater of my type, you are in the grips of a progressive illness. It gets worse, never better. And you can go out there with a belly full of food and a head full of OA and be back where you've always been. Because that's, that's the way it is for us. That's the way it is for us. But they say our experience, our experience, the experience of those first 100, proved that you are not alone, that we thought like that, that we may have those feelings, those thoughts, but we still got here. We still got here to that place called recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. And on that message of hope and salvation, uh, it is time to close the meeting this morning. Thank you to everyone around the room who shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. And, Sarah, would you read that for us, please? Press star one to unmute, Sarah.
Paula, might you be at the ready to read page 164 for us? I may be, and here I am. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you than to and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.